Hello, I'm Marcus Rilton, and this is the Scots Care Podcast. Scots Care is the only charity dedicated to helping disadvantaged Scots in London through a range of support, including mental health therapy, financial grants, advocacy, sheltered housing for older Scots, job coaching, social events, befriending, and support for children and families. The charity has been running for 400 years to help break the cycle of poverty experienced by some Scots in London. In this series of the Scots Care podcast, I'll be chatting to celebrities and supporters of the charity that have forged a life often away from Scotland and about the ups and downs that can bring. On the podcast today is David Duke MBE. David grew up in Govan in Glasgow and battled homelessness before finding his way coaching kids football. He is the founder of Street Soccer Scotland and Street Soccer London, organisations that use the power of football to help young people and adults make positive change in their lives. It's a huge privilege and pleasure to have him on the programme today. Scots Care. Helping to break the cycle of deprivation for Scots in London. Hi, David. Hi, Marcus. How are you doing? I'm good. When you started street soccer, what what one came first? Was it London or Scotland that came first? Yeah, Scotland. So Scotland was set up in 2009. And when when was street soccer London? Uh, London would have been (laughs) exactly one month before the pandemic. So was that early 2020? 2019, 2020? You know, I can't remember now because bloody the COVID's kind of taken two years out of my life. So when was... Yeah, doing probably 2019. Yeah. But when you set them up, was was it always your intention to have a kind of, you know, the physical support network is getting on the pitch and exercising, yeah. but was it always your intention to have a kind of emotional support network as part of the, the setup? Well, that, that was that. I mean, football's just, the, you know, football's great. And obviously the benefits of playing football is, you know, exercise and and all that kind of stuff. But actually the purpose of street soccer was always to, to, to create communities for people and to create support networks and and to make sure that people feel part of something you know a lot of our players have experienced kind of really difficult times and and often they've had to kind of deal with that alone um and you know our kind of model is actually you've got a better chance if you we do it together and you know we all need to be part of something and part of a team um and that's and that's what street soccer is all about you know using football to bring people together build relationships when i read your website the words that keep repeating are connected and and connecting people and do you think yeah. we're just living in a world where we have do we have less community and fewer connections yeah. to those around us because when i remember growing up and i grew up in Clybank, just outside glasgow yeah. i had i had i had a lot of connections a lot of mates a lot of good families and then when i moved to london i moved on my own yeah and i i went in straight into shift work and i was massively isolated you know i, I spent yeah. a lot of time where i was I'd start work at six in the morning, finish at two in the afternoon, and I would sit in parks and read books and stuff. And we do seem to live in a world where we have fewer connections now, don't we? Yeah, and I think I think it depends on the community that you grow up in as well. I mean, the communities are all changing as well. But I think when I, when I look back at my own upbringing in terms of growing up in Govan, I, I mean, I live in Edinburgh now, and as I say, you know, I've got plenty of friends and stuff like that and everything else, but from a kind of neighbourhood perspective, you know, I don't really know my neighbours that well. Yeah. Um, no one really kind of engages. And maybe that's just because I'm kind of from, from Govan in Glasgow where everybody talks to everybody. But 
Um, I always remember just like growing up when, particularly when people started losing their jobs and the kind of shipbuilding and stuff like that, that the community would always rally around. You know, if someone was taken ill, you know, members of the kind of community were there making sure they had something to eat and all that, or somebody lost their job, making sure that he was okay and taking around kind of pots of soup and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't see that as much now, but I'm sure it still exists, particularly in some of the closer-knit communities. Well, London and Edinburgh are quite big kind of transient cities, and there's people come here um, to study or to work, and, or, and and then they go, or then they stay, but they, they've not got their roots there. Yeah, well, this is it. You know, I think I said this before, and I've spent so many years in London, but mm-hmm. I still don't really feel, I don't feel like a Londoner, even though I've been here 20 plus years. But when I go back to Glasgow, I don't really feel like I belong in Glasgow anymore because I've been away so long. And it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of like when you were talking about growing up in Govan, and yeah. it's the same as growing up in Clybank, you know, all the employment was with John Brown Shipyards and the Singer yeah. Sewing Machine Factory. And I remember yeah. in primary school, they both shut down. Yeah. Decimated it. You know, it really, our society, was, our community was just knackered at that point. All the kids' dads in the school were out of work. Yeah. And that's why community yeah. is so important. Yeah, and then the impact of that has in the household because, you know, the the workers in the house feel kind of useless and worthless and that has a negative impact on their well-being and mental health and then sometimes that leads to, you know, alcohol and so on just to try and get people through and make people feel better, you know, and then that kind of, that just starts like a snowball effect in terms of what people have dealt with growing up. I like the fact that you're very open on the website and and when you talk about street soccer about the mental health benefits. You know, I've got I've got a nine year old and we went through this phase of he didn't want didn't want to go to school didn't want to so it became quite problematic and then one day and this wasn't a magic bullet but it just changed things. We we got him on his bike and we started cycling to school. Mm-hmm. And by the time he got to school, his his attitude had changed and he would go yeah. into school and then at the end of the day I'd cycle and pick him up and by the time we got him home. His head was clear and he yeah. wasn't unhappy about being at school. And I think that's a big thing about street soccer as well, is, is about the mental health benefits of, yeah. of exercise. Totally, totally. And even I mean, I've kind of used the, the, the kind of same potion during, lock, uh, during lockdown and stuff like that. I started running again just because I started to feel really kind of, you know, withdrawn and just kind of, you know, find it hard to kind of motivate myself to do normal stuff and, and I think a lot of people felt that, do you know what I mean? Um during COVID because you no know, matter I went from being here, there and everywhere to nowhere. You know what I mean just sitting stuck and obviously a little low and stuff like that. So um I'm very I mean I think as humans we all need social connection. Um and I think you know combine that if if you combine people with exercise, you know, so I was running you just feel so much better decision making and all that. You're more upbeat. You you, you find yourself trying to, and I say trying to eat better, um, just because you're more active, you know, and 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 that's that's just the way it goes. Scott's care. Helping to break the cycle of deprivation for Scots in London. And how, do, how does street soccer work for kids who want to get involved? What's the process that they go from discovering you to getting on the pitch? So street soccer's got kind of two, two kind of target areas, you know, adult work and then kind of youth work. So the adult stuff predominantly is aimed around kind of homelessness and mental health and 
kind of addiction and so on, working with refugees, basically people who are, you know, missing out on that kind of social, maybe missing out on that social interaction or just looking for something that's going to build their confidence and, and create a new network for them. So people just get involved by either being referred from another agency that they're involved in or just kind of turning up. You know, there's no there's not a complicated process. You turn up, I mean, you can literally just turn up at the side of the pitch. Are the adults looking to play football or are the adults looking for something else as well, you know, as in like friendship like, and community? Yeah, I think, I think a bit of both. Eh? You'll get guys that are attracted to the football um, or football is something that they feel that they can achieve, you know, it's something that they know. It's, it's, it's um, you know, it's something they've done in the past. But I, th- and I think everyone comes for different reasons. So some people come from support. And then they kind of integrate into the football. They've maybe not played or their kind of fitness isn't that great. So they'll just kind of ease themselves in, but just be part of it and build themselves up. And then others kind of just come in and play football. And then they kind of lock on to the support that's on offer. Do you get, do you get many adult females? Yeah, yeah. We've got a women's programme. Yeah. Uh, so we've got women's programmes in kind of Glasgow, Edinburgh, Dundee and Aberdeen. So, and again, you know, Obviously, the numbers aren't as high just because obviously we're seeing a, a growth in kind of girls and women's football now. But you know, we were working with over 25s that those kind of sport and football opportunities weren't there. Um, but our women's program is not just about football, so there's kind of exercise classes, there's kind of boxer size, zumba, and all these types of things. So that that allows um, people to kind of you know try different things. Yeah. So football might be a bit, oh, I've never played football, that's not for me, but actually they really enjoy the exercise part. And then from the women's side, a lot of that's more around support. you got some great ambassadors. You know, I think that was one of the things that jumped out at me. And, you know, it was like Andy Robertson, the Scotland player, Liverpool yeah. guy. And how how are you just going out and knocking on doors and saying, would you like to be an ambassador for street soccer? I mean, how are you getting the, that's a great name to have. Yeah, I mean, obviously... In the early days, obviously, Sir Alex Ferguson joined as an ambassador, and that was purely through kind of reaching out to him, you know, and obviously I'm from Govan and stuff like that as well. Probably helped. Uh, and then through Andy, it was just kind of, you know, Andy's very big into his charity work himself, you know, and does a lot of good things. Very much a lot of it's under the radar, but, you know, try to help kids get involved in football and stuff. But, yeah, we just kind of came across, and, you know, we made the ask, and, you know, for us, you know, captain of Scotland and, you know, left back for Liverpool is is pretty special. So, you know, we're, we're delighted to have guys like Andy and um, and Sir Alex as well, you know, and these guys, they, these allow us to kind of communicate to new platforms, you know, yeah. more so guys like Andy, who's obviously got, who's quite active on social and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm, any anytime I've spoke to people like Andy and, and others, you know, involved in the game, they all want to do good, they all want to give back, you know, there's this, you know, because obviously they play in the Premier League, there's a certain judgments thrown against people because of how much they may earn and stuff like that, but actually they're just they're just normal people like you and I, you know, and they want to do good, and particularly in Andy's case, as I say, he's doing loads of great work in Scotland just now and supporting children who maybe can't access the game, make sure they get access to it, and, and, and a lot more than that as well. Can we go back to right? Go back to the beginning. So, mm-hmm. how did how did street soccer come about for you? Because I think I think I get the impression that football kind of helped you, helped you emotionally, and helped you your mental health. Because you kind of 
in interviews that I've read with you, you've openly spoken about why a long time ago you had trouble with alcohol. So are you teetotal now? No, I mean, I, mean, I think the back then, you know, so so basically the, the story was, you know, I, I grew up in Govan, um, left school age 13, and then basically just kind of floated about. My mum and dad split. My dad was an alcoholic. That's, what kind of, that's how he kind of passed away. So he, he lost his... My dad passed away when I was 18. And um, I then became homeless. I was I was in the kind of system for for three years, and and during that time, you know, it wasn't just alcohol, anything at all, to kind of get you through. Yeah. You know, so you're you're surrounded by you know no no hope, no energy, nothing to do. You're just trying to get yourself through. So when you live in these environments, there's people smoking hash or you know drinking and stuff like that. So I think when I was in that position. You know, you were just trying to, you didn't really care. You know, you were just drinking every day and you were just trying to get through because you were in so much pain, you were trying to mask it out. And then the obviously got involved with the football myself, you know, and started training with the Scotland Homeless World Cup team. And that just allowed me the, the platform to to say, right, okay, actually, well, if I want to do this, I can't do that. Yeah. So then, you know, obviously I don't... I don't drink every day, you know, and I kind of I'm very aware of it. You know, I still go out now and again and stuff like that, like, like, like most people. But back then, it was a bit of an issue. But that, but I think the issue wasn't so much the alcohol or whatever. It was actually just the, the more the situation. Because why wouldn't you take something that's going to take the pain away? Yeah, make you, you feel know, a bit better. Yeah. Right, if you've got a cold, you're going to take, you know. To numb the pain, and, that, and that's all it was. It was it was it was always ever something to numb the pain, and once that pain went away, and I, I didn't ha- didn't need to. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then also when you combine that with having responsibility, because uh, I started coaching kids football and stuff like that. So, you know, back in the day when you're in kind of hospitals, you say you you might be kind of you know smoking hash or taking Valium and stuff like that. But so the, the day I started kind of. You know, coaching kids football was the last day that I ever uh, took anything, yeah. you know, even to this day, just because suddenly I had, had responsibility and I was a role model. So I had to kind of change. And obviously it wasn't easy, but I did it, you know. And um, and I think that's the, the, the key thing, you know, when people, people always see people, like when you look at people in addiction and stuff like that, or, you know, on the street and you see them in a kind of quite a, a poor condition. You know, people just see them in that present state, but they don't see all the pain of what they're going through. You know, yeah. and if they've seen all the pain and what they've been through and all that, they would recognise why some people are in that position. And it's not until people are allowed the chance to heal and have better networks and better relationships, then yeah. they can actually go on and, you know, look after themselves. Because as I say, when you're in that desperate position, you don't care about your health, you don't care about your life, you're just trying to survive every day and and you're just trying to get through each day. I mean, it's all about, you know, find it was the quickest way to, to, to put your head down at night. You know, I was wondering when you talked about your father, and it's just it's a it's a kind of personal thing for me, like that your father died um when you were 18 and it was alcohol related. My brother died um alcohol related when he was 32. And I I kind of almost felt there was a responsibility there that I could have failed him in a way you know and I go through phases of saying you know trying to get him into a hospital or try to get him into a rehab or try to do something for him yeah and 
you know, ultimately never worked. And I just wondered if you felt that only, I'm only asking you this on a personal level, whether you felt yeah. that about your dad, whether the, you, did you try and fix it, you know, in a way? Yeah, I mean, I think where, where the guilt for me came from is dad kind of went my separate way from my dad for about a year. I kind of yeah. just looked into it because I was 18 now and all my pals were going to university and doing stuff and on, and I just had to break away to try and give, us, give myself some headspace and trying to kind of sort stuff out because I was only a kid, do you know what I mean? So I had a bit of guilt, but see, at the end of the day, and it, obviously it's back then, you know, mental health wasn't discussed, you know, and certainly kind of like, the addiction services weren't present. Yeah. You know, it was just it was just the, the norm. People liked to drink, do you know what I mean? But um, there was a bit of guilt during that kind of time of homelessness, but I quickly learned that, you know, I, I was powerless, you know, and my dad had an illness, <laughs> which he, he couldn't find a cure for. Yeah, and I think it's important that we think of it like that as an illness rather than just somebody getting on the on the lash every day. Yeah, because, you know, I, I think my dad drank a lot, my mum drank a lot, my brother drank, and I, you know, I'm not teetotal, but it's kind of like you say earlier, I do watch it. I do kind of think, yeah. hold on, just... You, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the... Yeah, I mean, it's a social thing, and it's just like, you know, it's there's always a time and a place... You know, yeah. and if, if it feels right, then enjoy yourself. But, you know, at the end of the day, you don't have a chance when you're so busy and you're constantly working and stuff like that. So on holiday and stuff, it's nice to let yourself go a bit and just kind of enjoy it. But at the end of the yeah. day, you just need to make sure you're on the ball for, for, for work. Scott's Care. Supporting Scots away from home in London. Let me talk about something else. I'd like to talk about money in football because you touched on it a bit earlier where, where there's crazy money at football when you look at transfer fees of like Jack Grealish and 100 million or Harry Maguire and 80 million. How does street soccer work? Because explain to me, what is a social, because I read it's a social enterprise. What does that mean? Because it's not a charity. But it's a social yeah, it's a charity. But it's a no, charity. It's both. It's, both. So it's, it's, got a co- it's a company and a, a charity. So a social enterprise is basically using a, a kind of business approach Minus any profit. So in a normal company, just to so just say street soccer was a normal company, I would be a shareholder. Right. So I would then be able to, you know, take profit, blah, 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 be able to sell it on, but there's there's no shareholder at street soccer. So if, if I was to wind the company up, all the all the kind of assets and stuff would be donated to a, donated to a similar local cause type thing. So it's just, so it's just basically identifying that, you know, social entrepreneurship. Right. As you know, it's 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 almost like, you know, a lot of the work we do is charitable, you know, but we also do events and we have sponsorship deals and stuff like that where you, you know, you, you're kind of negotiating with brands just as just like any football club would. And if you were to look ahead, have you does does street soccer grow organically for you or do you think do you do you know what in five years time this is this is where we want to take it. This is where we want to take it as a brand. I think I think a bit of both. Um I think there's things that we've always, excuse me, I think there's things that we've always wanted to do, like the centre and stuff like that. We've managed to make that happen. But I think an element you just need to kind of, I mean, when I speak to the team, oh, the only thing I kind of give them in terms of a target is every day we try and find somebody who needs us. Yeah. And then every day we try and make the experience better for the players who, who are involved. Um, so on, on the kind of, 
across the front line, that's the message. You know, I'm, I don't dazzle people with big numbers and big fancy strategies. It's saying, look, there's some out there who, who could be doing with being part of something. How do we find them? And are you still as hands-on as you were on day one? It's just because as, as it's grown, and like you were saying, in yeah. Dundee and Edinburgh and London, does, it, yeah, yeah. does that kind of push you further away from the front lines? Yeah, sadly. I mean, I mean, the front line's kind of where I feel most happy. But, um, yeah, the guys, we've got, I mean, 80% of the team have got lived experience. Um, so we've got a good, strong, solid kind of team on the ground. So they, they're more than capable of kind of carrying on and, and I'll just kind of float in every now and again. And my role's more to think kind of, kind of big picture stuff and, and just look at kind of strategically where we're going next and try to engage new donors and, and new brands and stuff like that and 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 make sure that what we're... And, and kind of stick... Being able, the good thing about being kind of not in the front line is you can look, back, look in from a distance and see all the moving parts that's happening. Maybe at government levels, at local authority levels, with other charities, and to actually right, where, where can we have the biggest impact? Where can we support the wider change? It seems a world away from, you know, what you're talking about is like growing up in Govan. You know, in your 40s now, are you are you comfortable? Don't be, in don't, don't, don't be saying that in camera, Marcus, man, in my 40s. <laughs> um, in, your very, um, in your very early 40s. Are you comfortable in your own skin, in your own head these days? Yeah. I mean, I'm shattered this week, I'll no lie. Because um, I've been babysitting, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm happy. I mean, see, the thing is, there's, and I say it to everyone, it's like everybody wants what they don't have. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes we we don't take that moment to say, right, well, here's here's what I've got. Yeah, you know, and and actually appreciate that. Do you know what I mean? I, I I'm lucky that I've got a job that I love. Um, I've got a, a group of staff and team around me who feel like family, do you know what I mean? Um, and and, and I'm, I'm inspired every day, every time I speak to players and see players on their journey. So, Do, do you take time off? Or just because when you're in a job like that that you love, are you tempted to go at it seven days a week? Yeah, and, and, and it's been like that for a while, but I'm, I'm starting to get better. Um, but it's one of the ones, it's like, it's try to switch off. But I mean, luckily today, we've got a really... We've grown a wee bit over the last kind of 13 years, you know, and now we're in a position where I could probably, well, I can take a few weeks off and, yeah. you know, nothing's going to go wrong. I've got people in place to kind of steer the ship. Um, but yeah, it's been good. I mean, the last last few weeks have been crazy, though, because I've just like, had, had COVID for two weeks and then right into an event and just like, so this weekend I'm going to chill um, and then get ready for the Monday. David, best of luck for the future and thank you so yeah, much cheers. for being on the Scots Care podcast. It's it's been great talking to you. Oh, right, see you later. Bye bye. Bye bye bye. Scots Care, supporting London Scots with financial grants, welfare advice, counselling, sheltered housing, jobs coaching and family support.